All right, y'all. We're here. Now, I don't know about you, but this was a week that I I really laughed at these memes for the um, Alabama sweet tea party. I can't even say the thing right now because I'm still laughing. Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but we're going to talk about it. So I'm just warning you now. Some of you might not be able to tolerate or otherwise stomach what I'm about to talk about. And that's understandable. You can't take it, then get out of the kitchen. But please know that I do have the right to share how I feel and think and process things. It doesn't mean we have to agree. It just means I had an opinion too. So I'm CJ, and this is the sound of black and brown. And I see Manny just jumped on. And as the name would indicate, we're going to talk about a very fun and exciting topic here for Manny. I could see him smiling already. So Manny, I already started by going into these lovely memes about the Alabama sweet tea party. So let's start there. As the younger person in the room, again, if y'all are wondering how old is, how old is she? I, I told y'all, look at that picture of the Last Supper to the back left. You'll see me standing there. Don't worry about it. But we must pass the baton, pardon me. We must pass the baton on to the younger generation. And, you know, one of the things that of many that I appreciate about Manny is his fearlessness, man. Like, I don't know. <laughs> You're starting to make me laugh already. I don't know. And I say this to my own, my own children. I don't know how I would be if I had to survive some of my young adult years in quarantine, in, you know, in suedo solitary confinement, because it's not really solitary confinement, but it felt like it, right? So knowing all these things, it's hard for me to, um, to really encapsulate how y'all do it. And it just makes me appreciate you even, even more. I, I don't know if you had a chance <laughs> to take in what happened over there in Alabama, but start it off, Manny. Kick it off. What do you think about what we saw? Uh, you know, when I had saw that, um, I lost my mind. <laughs> I lost my mind uh, in a way that, you know, I couldn't, one, I couldn't believe that um, just <laughs> the fact that they were on both sides, right? Uh, on the people that were defending um, the security guard, I believe he was, African-American security guard. Um, and then, you know, the amount of white people, right? And it was like you had these two mobs just fighting each other. I mean, you, and it was, they just kept coming. You know, it wasn't like it was the same people. I mean, more and more people were jumping in from both sides. And you have, you know, the white people who, oh my God, I mean, they were, you know, obviously, as we all seen, getting hit in the head <laughs> with chairs. Yo, let me tell you something. Right? It's homegirl who fell in the water. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. When she fell in the water, I almost fell off my chair. In fact, I think I did. Because that was great. And I love how the black lady came. I was like, you good? <laughs> Alright, but we're gonna leave you right there because it's the truth. Because guess what? When they kick us down, Manny, right? I don't want to interrupt you too much because I'm trying to take this in. I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. You always laugh at me for making you laugh. <laughs> I'm cracking up over here because that lady literally went there and said, "You good? 
Uh, you straight. I'm going to continue beating this boy ass. You stay right there. You feel me? But that's what they do to us when they kick us down, right? In my right. opinion. But yeah. continue. Please continue. So poor Manny was traumatized, y'all, because <laughs> here's the thing. Just a little backdrop. So this happened in Alabama at a riverboat. And the owners of the boat are two young white men. That's the other part in this. And they have actually, I was told they stole a golf cart or something, something like that. They did something before. So I want people to note that these people are not new. The, the affected, <laughs> I'm being nice for like five seconds. Um, we're not new to doing something bad in that community. And that's important to note. I, I want you to know that. That's important to note. Sorry, take it away, Manny. So the white people got their ass busted. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, and, and here I was, and I'm, I'm watching this video because uh, I first saw it on, um, on, on Twitter, or sorry, as now known um, X, right? <laughs> and so I saw it and I'm watching, you know, from beginning to end, you know, all until, you know, people were getting arrested. And I, I mean, just beside myself with the fact that you had the, you know, the group of white people and, and the African Americans, and they're literally full on brawl. I mean, it. <laughs> I thought I was watching uh, <laughs> your band from that, you know, CJ, <laughs> I think I could believe that. <laughs> Right. I thought, it was, you know, it was WWE that I was watching, right? Because, I mean, you have people with chairs. People are throwing each other. I mean, you have males hitting females, females hitting males. It was like a Royal Rumble, you know, from WWE. And, I mean, I'm just like, there's no way that this is actually happening. And then again, you have to take, you have to take it to account. Uh, the location, right? Montgomery, Alabama. And it's like, well, you know, now that we're saying the location, yeah, it actually it's not that far-fetched, you know, when, when it comes to it being a reality, right? Because it's the South and it's the deep South at that, right? Where we know racism, I mean, racism just blatantly walks on the sidewalk over there, you know? And so... I mean, again, just, just beside myself on the fact that this brawl was actually, actually happening. That's hilarious. Now, I love what you just said, right? Because recently, um, actually it was Monday, uh, Ebony W., who is a storyteller, she's a fierce activist, a queen in the struggle, a lightly melanated black queen, right? And I want to stress that part because I'm also lightly melanated and I fall, I fall in that very interesting category of they don't know what to do with me because when I go around the Latinx population, Latinos and Latinas, they all start speaking Spanish. And I understand some of it, to be honest with you. Like my, under, my comprehension, I should say, is way better than me speaking. I fuck up the words sometimes and sometimes I can't remember words fast enough because it takes a minute for me to register it then translate it in my brain and then say it. But for the most part, I could get it. And it's like, you know, that's one thing. But then with the black, the black people, right? So there's categories to this shit. Now I'm either not black enough or I'm not light skin enough. 
crack it up over there. I'm like an oddball. I, I I don't fit anywhere, right? And I'm not the only one. You know, this is a this is a diaspora of its own, right? We, you know, this is a real thing. But the problem with that is, is that more often than not, because I'm not enough, I am perceived in that way, which is fantastic. And like I've said before, hair color could really, really bring out the bullshit. Dead ass. That's some serious colorism. And it exists in the movement and it exists everywhere. And I think that what people fail to realize is just because so many of us are talking about no justice, no peace, and we're claiming that we're all about these things. Let me tell you all now. Now, I'm glad Manny's sitting down because some of y'all might pass out. Racism has no boundary, believe it or not. Mind you, the document, <laughs> can't even say the shit right. The immigrants coming across the border, they have a boundary, okay? Black people walking in the street has a boundary, but racism has no fucking boundary. You know, a racist is a racist, point black, period. It doesn't matter if they're claiming to be about the movement or if they're running for office or if they're working at a deli or they're at the bus or they're in the street. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if they're in the DSS office. It doesn't matter. A racist is a racist. Okay. I've been approached already. I forget what you call these people. The um, It's a section of the trumpets. And what happened was I was um, parked in front of a gym and they noted, it'll come to my brain, the term for it. But anyway, he noted the car on my car. Of everything that was written, now, let me give you a visual. I have the names of victims of police violence, you know, survivors of that, and those who have passed up there. I have immigrant rights are essential. I have all kinds of shit on my car about the movement. And the one thing that pissed him off, I know this will shock you, Manny, is fuck Trump. Now, for my white people, come here, come here, not too close. Don't get too comfortable. Let me tell you all something. Y'all sit there and try to tell me that I say too much. I'm always too much. That's what I'm saying. My, my nickname should be too much. Real talk. Now, when we walk out in our skin, because I don't know if you all knew this, but Manny and I cannot unzip, and, and so many of us, if we had that ability, I'm sure a lot of things would be different. We cannot unzip our skin and just walk out. I cannot change my accent. I was born with that. Manny cannot change his hair texture. I'm sorry. I mean, he can, but he won't. You know, CJ is not going to sit here and not be who she is because it makes you uncomfortable. Your shit makes me fucking uncomfortable. Your shit. Because here's the deal. What do you want to hear it? Encompass it. I don't give a fuck what you do with it. But at the end of the day, we're in this position because you refuse to give up your power and your privilege. If you give a flying fuck about diversity, equity, inclusivity, and belonging, or I don't give a fuck what words you use. If you cared about it enough, you would know for us to really have that, then you should give up some of that power. Give up some of that space. It's that simple. It's that simple, right? But then it's not. Because the other part that you need to do is to realize, accept, and adapt to the narrative that you fucking created. Because the narrative in of itself is a whole other talking point. 
And when I say narrative, I mean by all the terms that you all decided to define us, to qualify us, to stigmatize us. You did that. Clean up your fucking mess, right? Now, Manny, I just unloaded a shit ton. And I'm going to hand this back to you, right? Because now I'm asking, you know, as a younger soul, where do you stand with what I just said? Like, where do you see that happening? Right. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I, I definitely want to echo what you said, right? We can't, <laughs> me and you can't just go outside and, you know, unzip <laughs> who we are, you know, unzip uh, the appearance that we have, the characteristics uh, that give us our identity, right? My hair texture, the color of our skin, your accent, right? Like, we, we can't get rid of those, <laughs> you know? uh the second we step outside and yet um i, I want to definitely echo because i i say this a lot to a lot of people um because a lot of people refuse and, and by people i mean i want to be more specific i want to say uh minority right people the minority demographic people in black and brown communities they so often refuse to acknowledge the fact that colorism is a thing. It's a very real thing. And it's so deeply rooted in our, uh, you know, black and brown communities, right? And again, but, but I, want, I want this to also be a fact, right? That colorism is a product <laughs> of slavery, right? Colorism, we, we start to see instances of colorism back in the early slavery days where, you know, the, the Uncle Toms and the, you know, the, the house slaves, right, were often slaves that were of lighter complexion and were deemed to be better than the next slave, you know, who was... And a darker complexion, right? And after generations and generations of that kind of uh, concept, you know, being re reinforced that the individuals who had lighter complexions were, I mean, I've, you know, there were a lot of things being said that they were smarter, that they, you know, I mean, obviously they were treated a little bit better. Um, you know, they were given a little bit more opportunities than the darker complexion individuals, right? And so you're talking about generations and generations of this getting passed down, this concept, right, of, of lighter skin versus darker skin. And all the way up to the point where present day, it's more of an unconscious thing, right? Um, and... In fact, uh, CJ, I, I know what a big um, supporter of uh, Malcolm X you are. And Malcolm X actually talks about this in his autobiography um, that, you know, of his siblings, he was the lighter skinned one. And so his father treated him better than his darker skinned uh, siblings. But his mother who was lighter skin herself, who had a much lighter skin than Malcolm X, treated him worse than his darker skinned siblings so that he wouldn't 
uh, you know, kind of come up with that concept that he was better than his siblings just because he was of a lighter complexion. Right, so this whole colorism thing is very, very deep-rooted in our black and brown communities. Um, and it's really, it's upsetting to me that it's not acknowledged, right? Because, um, you know, I, I've also struggled with that. I mean, even the Hispanic community, right? You. Oh, wait a minute. Lord, Manny. <laughs> Manny, hold on. <laughs> Manny! Manny! <laughs> the nerve. <laughs> the nerve. You mean in your own Hispanic community? <laughs> What? <laughs> Whatever are you talking about, Manny? Please tell sarcasm. <laughs> because it happens in the West Indian community too. Absolutely. It's the class system. Listen, <laughs> if you don't believe us, look at India. Dead ass. Ask, you know, look at the Indian class system. This is what we're talking about. But go ahead, Manny. People, listen for the white people. Come here again. Come here, y'all. Come again. Let me tell y'all something in your ears. Sit down and taking what he's saying. If you're really about changing things, then hearing this will not upset you. It will uplift you into doing things different. Go ahead, man. You about to get? Some <laughs> yeah. No. Listen. You know, I and I can't tell you how many times. Uh, you know, I I'm a Puerto Rican, and uh, oh Spaniard, shit, Lord so, have mercy. Right? You know, Manny, Manny, stop it. Stop it. You, you mean you're not white? Stop. <laughs> stop. I'm, I'm in shock. I'm in I shock. Know, you, I know. You see that, that picture? I might have to check picture, my blood right? pressure. I might have to check my blood pressure. <laughs> so, you know, uh, being Puerto Rican and a Spaniard descent, right? I honestly, I, I, growing up, and even now, you know, and, and that's unfortunate, even now, uh, you know, 18 years old, um, I come across other Hispanics and, and I'll say even, you know, Puerto Ricans specifically. Wait, hold right? the fuck on. And, hold on. Wait a minute. I got to ask the question. Yeah. You, you you, mean to tell me between me and you, right? Just you and I, <laughs> you mean you're, you're a light skinned Latinx person and you talk to other Latinx. What is wrong with you? <laughs> what, what is really wrong with you? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, we'll, we'll talk. So, um, you know, and growing up, right, and, you know, you always have people ask you, oh, no, you know, where are you from? What are you, right? And I would say, oh, well, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. And you, you should, <laughs> I wish, I wish I could project my memories into, <laughs> you know, a slideshow presentation. So you can see the faces, right, that, that I've had uh, given to me when I say, oh, well, I'm Puerto Rican. And they look at me and they say, really? And I say, like, what's that supposed to mean? And they say, well, well, you don't really look Puerto Rican. Okay, because I'm glad Puerto Rican has a look, <laughs> you know? And and so when I ask, oh, well, what do you mean I don't look Puerto Rican? Well, you're not, you don't, you're not dark enough, but then you're also not. I I kid you not, this is the term. You're not tan enough. And I said tan. I said I didn't even know. You know, we were over here classifying race on a tan skin color. You know, and so I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. But what I what I try to 
since then and and still today stress to a lot of my hispanic <laughs> people is the history right because i can't tell you how how much bliss um i don't i don't want to call it ignorance but i mean <laughs> it's kind of is it's bliss ignorance there is when it comes to uh hispanics not knowing the history of of the of their creation Lord, you know Manny, you gonna make somebody pass out today <laughs> listen you, i'm telling you <laughs> you you came to spit fire like here you come with this foolishness now no. let me jump in and give my brother support here here's part of the reason why right now let, let me just shed some light on some stuff here for folks if you want to know the history of anything outside of America. If you want to see the connection, look at the food. Follow the food. Because I promise you, you'll see the pattern, right? The, you know, the Latinx community has so many dishes that correspond with dishes from Trinidad Tobago, Jamaica, Guyana, but we don't know that till we start talking to each other. I'll give you one. Y'all like to eat rice and peas, right? Each country, Guatemala does it different from Nicaragua, does it different from Panama, does it different from Venezuela, Belize, Puerto Rico, but they each have their version of it. And in truth, the reason why you see that is because that's actually your ancestors. Each time they traveled, they had to figure out how to make that dish that they love so much, but in a different way. Take that in for a second. So, for example, in Trantabago, part of our indigenous heritage actually let me get take you all in a history class look y'all look at that white people come here again come here guess what cj actually has somewhat of an education look at would you look at that all right y'all could go back and sit down now now if you look at trent tobago and you look at the names and that's another thing you look at you look at the money so silly you look at the names of the streets like you do this experiment right here in connecticut Pay attention to the names, street names, town names. It will give you an idea of who was there, right? Because that's part of leaving your mark. The biggest indication of our intersectionality uh, between the black and brown, and hence the reason why I stick on the terms black and brown, because it speaks to me. Where I come from in Trinidad Tobago, I didn't have to justify my skin tone, my shade. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to validate how black or brown or whatever i just had to you know exist i didn't learn that till i came here okay going back to the food again trinidad we have various sections of trinidad and tobago actually um the points closest to venezuela you'll find like a lot of people who speak fluent spanish and probably only spanish right we just had an influx of people from venezuela caracas you know um margarita come across the Trantabago. you know that that has been going on for years actually but it actually got it increased over the last few years for various reasons that will require a whole other show right i don't want to not do justice to that because that's a whole other thing because let me tell you something this is why when it comes to our brothers and sisters crossing the board i'm gonna rant off on this shit right here leave those people the fuck alone you cross their border first i'm speaking on their behalf and all our behalf Cut it the fuck out. You came to our country and, and typical white supremacy, white behavior, if they cannot control it and conquer it, they try to destroy it. If I'm lying, I'm flying. 
Look into the history of those countries and how and what caused them to lose their wealth and lose their stealth at the same time. Because, you know, powerhouses like the United States, you know, uh, Russia and different parts of Russia, the Soviet Union and all of that, the big, big countries, the continents, right? The big players, right? Um, England, Europe, they came to our fucking countries. They usurped our talent. They killed our people, but you couldn't stop us from being connected. That food, I'm telling you, follow the food. You will see in Trent Tobago, y'all make rice and peas. We make pilau. When you look at the basic ingredients, it's almost the same. The degrees and difference would be depending on where you're located. For example, we'll go to, to our Latinas countries now. Depending on where you are in Colombia versus being in Panama versus being in Guatemala versus being in Nicaragua, Mexico, Puerto Rico, you would make your rice and beans differently. You would have a degree of something that's a little, little different, but it's still inherently the same, right? Same goes for Trent Tobago and all the other countries. You'll see us. In fact, if anything, and I'm, I hate to shock you all, to be quite frank, for those of you all who don't want to hear it, especially, you see the day that the West Indies, <clears throat> God, this is going to make me cry because this is, this is what, this is my dream. I want to see the day that the West Indies, Central and South America, get up and stand up together, man. That gave me goosebumps. That's why we do this work. This is why I do this work. I believe in that. I've seen it. I've seen what happens when black and brown people get together. I saw it in my own fucking country, man. I've seen that shit. That's some powerful shit. And that's what they don't want to happen. Right. So if ever you're confused, right, you see the points that he's raising. This is true in our own countries. While we may not talk about race as much, we talk about class. Now, for somebody to look at a young Manny and say, you're not Puerto Rican enough. What the fuck does Puerto Rican even mean? Now, here's where technology plays a part, because in all the countries I just outlined, right, in in Central and South America and the West Indies, for many, many years, we did not have cable TV, right? So we mostly relied, including Puerto Rico, we mostly relied on whatever we saw on TV. And if you look at, and you could challenge my thought, if you'd like, feel free, if you know, if you want to challenge it, if you want to see for yourself, look up shows like Mind Your Language, okay? That's the name of the show, Mind Your Language, right? Compare that to a show like The Jeffersons. Why are you doing that? Look at how they portray the Latinx and who portrays Latinx, right? Or West Indian or anything. It always has to be a slim individual with good hair and a good body. It's never someone. And if they're, you know, plus size or whatever, whatever fucking language you're comfortable with, not trying to be a jerk, but just saying, if it's not a size two, everybody else is plus size, just so you know, in media. Now, if you're above the size two, then they portray you as a housekeeper or a gardener. So you see that the roles change. But that color, that color is a whole other element. Because even when you look into movies about slavery and the diaspora and, and all that happened in all those countries, look at how we are portrayed as a people. Why is that? Because, you know, that lighter skin, once again, that privilege. But I just wanted to jump in and say,
You're, you're so, I mean, you hit the, the nail on so many, so many really great points, CJ. But, um, yeah, you know, and, and when I try to tell, you know, not even just tell, but just provide some, some education, some, some actual history facts, um, to other Hispanics, right? Uh, but Puerto Ricans in, in specific, when I use this example, that I tell them, I said, I, you know, I want you to realize that um, just because you have a lighter skin, right, uh, your skin matches that of a Caucasian American, right? Um, I want you to know that in your genetic makeup, you are, by genetics, <laughs> African. You have African oh in you. Oh my God, Manny. And when I Manny. tell you that they Manny. lose their mind. They're going to talk <laughs> about you, Manny. What, what is you doing? <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you that they lose their absolute mind and they get red in the face and swear up and down, left and right, that in no way, shape, form, history, alternate dimension... <laughs> Are they black? I mean, they stand their ground on that. And I tell them, I said, listen, you can deny it all you want. You can flip and you can say all these different things. But the truth is, the truth is, regardless of whatever you say, the truth is, is that you have black in you. <laughs> yeah, your skin color may not be dark. You may not have as much melanin as me or as the next person. But... You, as a Puerto Rican, you are the genetic makeup of Spaniards, the Taino indigenous Indians who lived on the island, and the African slaves who were brought to the island by the Spaniards. So, I said, you know, so it doesn't matter that, you, okay, you came out with blonde hair and colored eyes and... And, and, you know, lighter skin. I say, okay, that's all great and, and whatever. Enjoy the privilege that comes with that, you know. But that doesn't take away from your genetic makeup. And so who are you to stand here before anyone, right, and say, well, you're not Puerto Rican because you're too dark. Or you're not Puerto Rican because you're not necessarily tan, right? Or lighter. I mean, it's like they pick and choose, you know, uh, <laughs> what uh, what day you look like a Puerto Rican, right? Sometimes you have to be light enough. Sometimes you're not dark enough. Sometimes you're not tan enough. And this, so then, now I expand, you know, I, I'll expand this. And this goes on to more than just Puerto Ricans. This goes on to Mexicans, Colombians, who, you know, we know a lot of, uh, when you think of Colombian, uh, a lot of people think of, you know, someone like um, uh, Sofia Vergara, right? Who she's lighter skin, you know, uh, the texture of her hair, right? The slim body. But, you know, you don't think of a lot of the Colombian artists who, you know, from history, who are dark in complexion, who have curly hair, who have really thick hair, right? Who... I mean, like you said, they're not a size two or below, right? <laughs> um, and so it just, that concept of colorism, 
goes well beyond the, the boundaries of just the African-American community. They go beyond the Hispanic community. They, you're right. They go into the West Indies. They go into India. They go in, They even go into the continent and south of Africa, right? I mean, this colorism, I feel, right? I've kind of made this uh, analogy before. Is I feel colorism is the black and brown people's uh, way of being racist to each other, right? Because we say racism, and we often say, well, racism is white people against everyone else is darker against them, right? Uh, and then <laughs> that's, that's how we categorize racism. Well, okay, sure. But colorism <laughs> is black and brown people's way to, for some reason want to feel superior than the next person, right? Uh, and again, like I said, this goes back to slavery times. This goes back to, you know, even being on the continent of Africa where Africans were enslaving each other, right? We don't talk about that often, right? We just say that white people were enslaving African people. We don't talk about African people were enslaving African people. You know, you know, you know you're going to get banned. They just going, <laughs> you just going to have a whole problem because you just start some shit. You talk about me, y'all hearing this yourself. This, listen, just so y'all know, we're not sitting next to each other. Can't make this shit up. Sure and not. he's absolutely correct. He's absolutely correct because when you look at play again, I'll draw reference to India because good lord, talk about colorism. Have Manny, have you ever seen the movie Lion? Yeah. What did you think about that? Let's just veer to that for a second. Because to me, that shows what we're... Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, it, it's a good depiction. It's a good depiction of what happens. Um, I, I mean, I, def, I definitely... Hmm, you actually gave me an idea. <laughs> I, I wonder if there's a way that we can, we can show that to people, you know, have people watch that. Because, again, the people can hear us talk about how colorism... Is real and how you know it, it plays out, you know, between people and stuff, whatever. But I think there needs to be more, more films like that made, right? That really show, like, yes, this happens, you know. Yes, it and, does. And look how. It yes, happens. it does. And that poor baby, because I don't know when I saw that, and he got left at the station. No, there's different versions of that story. It all, I mean, it's just different versions. The storyline stays the same. I just want to make sure I preface that. Don't come for us, y'all. Cut that shit the fuck out. But essentially, it's about this young Indian boy who was born and raised in poverty. I mean, I, I speak about India because one of the poorest countries in the world. And, you know, there's so much that happens there that you don't talk or hear about or see concern about the child trafficking, the sex trafficking, the exploitation, the killing, the torture. And there's a section in the movie, you know, so this little boy and his brother, they're very close. He went to work with him, a night job. And then what would happen is he fell asleep at the bus station. He wakes up, he realizes he doesn't see his brother anywhere. He gets scared. And then he goes on this journey to find his family. He gets back on the train and he went way too far. And what would happen is, is that his journey was, I mean, to watch this movie and Manny, correct me if I'm wrong, and not have an ounce of any type of feeling in you, you have to be either dead or something. It, I mean, I don't know how else to say that. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and it takes you through this young person's journey of that, that travel. And so what would eventually happen is he ends up in this um, orphanage. And of course, you know, they didn't go into the, the depths of that, which I kind of wish they did a little more because people need to see that because there's this whole industry. I mean, I'm not saying not to adopt children. We have many children who deserve and young adults who deserve to be loved and cared for, but we have to do a better job of holding these places accountable. The stuff that, how they treat these children, like prison cells. I mean, it's a whole, that's a whole other thing, you know, but the point is, is that he was fortunate where he got adopted into a good family. It could have gone different ways. And even in that little setup, the slavery within the slaves, you know, the slavery within the slaves, right? Is that is is that a thing, Manny? Would Absolutely, <laughs> literally. I mean, and again, this, and I wanna, I want to emphasize and clarify that this isn't just you know me just speaking out of my own brain, right? Like it's just <laughs> I'm just making some type of hypothesis. Right. No, this this is facts. This is actual historical facts. These are things that happen. You can't argue with them, right? I mean, you can try, but you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> but you know, we we. I mean, hello. The most pro. I guess the most common example that we can give people, right, is Egypt. I mean, we all know about ancient Egypt. We know about the pyramids. We know all about that stuff, right? But I feel like when certain people think about ancient Egypt and we talk about, well, yeah, you know, ancient Egyptians, <laughs> here you go, ancient Egyptians were enslaving, you know, had slaves or whatever. I feel like people end up thinking the ancient Egyptians were white, you know, and that the slaves they had were Africans. And it's like, hold on, wait, 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 people, people, people. Egypt is in Africa. When we talk about Egyptians, we're literally just talking about Africans. Okay. Africans had African slaves. <laughs> it's just that's just how that's as basic as it gets, right? They weren't lighter in complexion. They weren't, you know, they didn't look like Christopher Columbus, right? No. They literally were this, you know, same skin color. I mean, yeah, you had some variations in like complexion, but not as much because they're right in Egypt, you know, if you know anything about biology, I mean, they have all that melanin in them. So you had these Egyptians who were African slave masters enslaving African people, right? And so you have that. Then you had, jeez, uh, now see, I'm not even going to mention that. People are not ready. That's a whole different other thing. I'm not going to talk about, you know, what happened in uh, Rwanda, right, where a few characteristics made people turn against each other. You know, same skin color, but if you had a bigger nose, then suddenly you were inferior, right? We're not going to get into that, <laughs> you know? I don't think people are ready for no, that. No, but that's so, the thing that happens now, Manny. Because absolutely. even like, okay, so we'll point to Jamaica now, right? In Jamaica, if your nose... Dead ass. This is a thing. Now, let, let me let me just take a minute to talk about this now, because we don't talk about this. And I, I love, love, love where this all went. Right. And just so folks know, we don't meet before the show. I literally text him a link and we jump on and we just go with it just so you know. Right. So don't come for us. Don't 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 do that shit. This is grassroots radio at its finest, literally. 
right? And this is a topic that we need to be, stop holding back, y'all. Stop fucking holding back. That's a trait of slavery. They taught us to deny our emotions. They taught us to be resilient. We told each other to do that so we could live. All right? Your ancestors told each other, shut the fuck up and pick that cotton. Dig that hole. Make that tamale. All right? Okay? Carry that water. Shut the fuck up and do it if you want to live, if you don't want to end up with half a limb. It takes a lot of courage to speak in your truth and be transparent about how you know, your lived experience and your knowledge and everything else society has impacted you in your skin. He talked about there being lighter skin. Now, let me just say this on behalf of all of us lightly melanated people. Don't think because we're a little lighter because I'm not as light as some others, right? In Trinidad, just like Jamaica, just like Barbados, just like St. Lucia, Grenada, all, all these countries, the classism, now, in Jamaica, people even bleach their skin. They bleach their fucking skin, okay? And they don't care what it does to their skin. They apply, and yes, I said bleach, regular fucking bleach. In fact, the thing is in Jamaica, right, you could actually make money off of selling bleach. This is, this is no joke. Like, if you have the right mix, and it's what these people would do. I saw a video where this woman took the bleach that you apply in your hair and she put it all over her skin and she wrapped herself in, in plastic wrap and let it sit for an hour. Do you understand what she just did to herself and what that does to your skin over time? Now, in terms of the noses, also in countries, in all these countries, the broadness of your nose is an acceptance quality. It could either mean that you're going to be accepted, but really they want you to have a nice straight Western nose. The straighter the nose, the better. Part of the reason why I ended up facing classism in my own country is because while, you know, so when I'm in, in the United States, because it's the humidity here, the temperature here is different than in, in Trinidad. And I lived in Trinidad. I visited Tobago. That's a whole other episode. But the point is, is that back home, I don't have to worry about flat ironing my hair, you know, or keeping my roots breathable. Because what happens is when it gets humid and then my, you know, my hair gets, it gets really oily. So I have to like flat iron my hair, whatever. In Trinidad, because my nose isn't perfectly straight and pointy, I'm a problem. Because now they know I'm mixed with something. They know that I'm not a full, I'm not a hundred bread. In America, because I'm not enough, I'm not light enough, I'm not dark enough, I'm, a, I'm just a problem. I, I hate to tell you that, Manny. I'm just a problem. And to be quite frank, it's something that I own. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's to the point where I don't expect people to like me, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not even kidding with that. Like, I get surprised when they actually do because I'm not a hard person to criminalize, right? I look the part. I talk the part. You know, they claim that, you know, in the United States, you have freedom of speech. That's bullshit because in Connecticut, the gaslight and gatekeep the fuck out of you. They claim that, you know, Black Lives Matter happened and they claim that they care about, you know, equity and all this other horse shit. But they really don't. They keep putting white people in our spaces and telling us to be obedient. You see what I'm saying? It still comes down to the nose because if I had a nice straight nose and I was just two shades lighter, I wouldn't be a problem. But the same applies to you.
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if I <laughs> if I was two shades lighter, my the privilege that I would have. I mean, the the how how I would be praised even in my own Hispanic community, right? They I mean, literally and I, I, I can't make this up and it's sad, you know, the statement is really sad, but my accomplishments that I've had over the years would be 10 times more praised and more recognized in the Hispanic community if I was lighter. That's just, that's just the facts. I mean, that, that is as true as it gets. You know, whether people want to say, well, man, you might be exaggerating or no, no, it's actually the truth. You know, like, in fact, <clears throat> in fact, the reality is me being the skin color I am now, right, that, that I have, my accomplishments that I've gained over the years, instead of it being met with like unconditional praise and acceptance and acknowledgement, it's actually met with, you know, wow, you were able to do that, you know, or really like you 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 accomplished that it was met with doubt it's met with suspicion you know it's met with well how did someone like you be able to accomplish that right like it's not it be it's all because for for some reason i said this in a, in a previous episode people who look like me and cj who have darker complexions right who just isn't that eurocentric lighter complexion when we accomplish things, when we do things, when we enter or try to enter positions, you know, that for some reason society has dictated is not really for people like us, right? People not only question it, but they begin to doubt and, and question if we can actually fulfill and operate in the capacity of that position, right? Number one phrase, that's a white person's position. That's a white person's job, right? Those are things to be accomplished by white people, right? And so, again, if we were a lighter complexion, oh, yeah, no, people, I mean, we, me and CJ, we do the things we do. We do the rallies, no, the protests. True. We people's nerves, it's true. Because right? if, if I were, let me, t let me add to that because he's not lying. He is not lying, right? If I was a size two, maybe six at most, right? Let's just say, excuse me, sorry. I was just drinking soda. If I were a size two or a size six, let's just say six, let's say eight, let's be, let's be adventurous. Eight at most. I'm a size eight and I had dead straight hair and I was, I could identify, I could check that white box, right? I would be seen and received as a radical white woman. Let me say that again. If me, 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 if I were a white, if I presented as, and I could be seen as a white woman, I wouldn't be a problem. The police would no longer pull me over and want to see my driver's license and ask me 15 questions that didn't matter. I wouldn't get pulled out of lines. I wouldn't be treated passive aggressively. I would be seen as a matriarch of sorts. Same goes for Manny. If Manny was a little white boy, right? And he presented as a white one, he could check that box, right? He'd be seen as a pioneer. I mean, a recent episode, we had, I had to sit here and listen to Manny talk about, admit actually, 
to not knowing how he would be received when he runs for office. That's fucked up, y'all. That's fucked up. Because in Connecticut, where we reside, y'all claim that you're all about equity and diversity and inclusivity and it's bullshit. Look at, look at who makes the decision. Look at who's at the table. And look at who has to go find a folding chair. Seriously, I would never forget when I went for my citizenship test, right? So the story time with CJ now, that's a whole other thing. We got to do a whole story time, Manny, you and I. And um, <laughs> I go and I, I have to declare my race. I didn't even know this was a thing, right? I, I had no clue because I did this process. When I tell you I studied for that shit, right? I tell you I studied because I, I, I'm the kind of person when it comes to tasks, I got to know, I'm, I'm a holistic thinker. I got to know, all right, what's the big picture? And then break it all the way down right? So I decided to go do my own research, ask people who've been through the process. Now, I didn't have a lawyer because the truth is the legal representation is mostly necessary if English is not your first language. Yes, I just said that. And the reason why is because when you look at the application form, really that's what they're looking for, mostly. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret, right? Now, Manny, hold your horses here, right? Because I don't know how this is going to be received by everybody. But in the application, it asks you several questions like what you would and wouldn't do for the United States. And I literally, I wrote a letter, a whole testament. It was just one page. It wasn't like a research paper. But, and, and I, after the fact, I said, maybe I should have included diagrams. But then I was like, I'm overthinking it now. But anyway, I didn't even know if I would even make it as far as declaring my race because in the application, I wrote a letter saying why I would not, I, you know, when you had to say, answer the question, let me try to remember. There's a question that goes towards the end where it says, would you bear arms to the United States? And then I wrote this little, little thing on that, you know, money wins wars. And I would never fight for the United States because the United States took so much from my country. Hence the reason why I came here. So imagine my surprise when these people actually wrote me back saying, we'd actually um, like you to come in and do the demographic side of this thing. I was in fucking shock. So now I go up to Hartford now and I got to do the demographic piece. So this is another moment of truth in my journey. So I'm standing there and I'm taking, um, you know, doing my fingerprint and things so they could do my background check. So that's to check and see like what's really what they're looking for is to kind of like parse through your criminal history and affiliations. And this is where it gets really tricky for our friends who have Middle Eastern or, um, you know, Indian or African descent, actually, you know, because this is where the, his the history of the wars in those areas come into play because now they look into your name and if there's any connection between you, it's, it's a whole little process. But anywho's, so then, you know, the guy asked me, he says, um, all right, so you're declaring as a, you're Hispanic. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never said I was Hispanic. So then he looks at me like, what do you mean you're not Hispanic? You look like a Hispanic. I was like, that's great, gracias. However, por qué? I am not originally from a Hispanic country. That, that's, that's like, I just gave the bird to my fucking ancestors in my brain. And he's in shock, right? Right? He's in like complete shock, okay? And he says, so what are you going to check? I said, I'm black. I'm going to check off black. This man actually asked me if I really wanted to do that. This is a true story. 
So I'm looking at him like, what the fuck you mean if I want to do that? That you trying to disrespect my grandmother, my daddy, my uncles, my aunts? What the fuck is wrong with you? Right? But he's looking at me and he literally says, and I quote, I'll never forget it. Do you realize how many opportunities you're about to miss by doing that? Why would you do that to yourself? And he he's really like, he stood there, I'm in the line and there are people behind me, right? Some of who do and do not speak English. And like, I don't know if they could hear us, but I'm like, I know, I know they're behind me and I'm in, I'm confused now because he's literally standing there. And this is not someone who's white. This was actually a Latinx man. And he stood there and he said, you know, you would do better if you actually check off Hispanic. And then if they ask you to speak Spanish, just say no. I said, do you hear what you're saying to me? And then we look at each other. I said, no, please put black. Please put black. And I did it. And he, he you know, he, he was like, all right, if that's what you want to do, you know. And I don't regret my decision. Because listen to what Manny just said inherently. We are a melting pot of the Latinx, indigenous, and African cultures, okay? And if you're East Indian, as opposed to West Indian, that applies to you too. Don't get confused. That applies to you too. Again, follow the food. In India, in East India, just like in Trinidad, they like to eat roti, how they make their roti and curries. Some of them are the same with degrees of differences in spices. But when you think about you got to think about what led to that, right? You got to think about the exposure to the ingredients. You got to think about cooking methods. You got to think about standards of living. All of those things come into play as to what our ancestors cooked and why. For instance, the history of pilau. I just mentioned pilau and I compared it to rice and peas. That's a big dish in Trinidad. And the truth is our countries are built on street food. And this shocks me because in America, I have to pay $6 for a doubles, whereas back home, that same thing costs like a dollar US, right? Inflation is a motherfucker, but you see my point. Up here, it's seen as a delicacy. Back home, that's poor people food. What the fuck is a doubles? Let me tell you what a doubles is, and I'll tell you what a pilau is. A doubles, actually, it was derived from the Indian slaves, the East Indian slaves. And what they did was, if they had leftover flour, scraps of flour, some chana, right? Chickpeas, as they say up here. They would curry the chana and fry the dough and then put it together. And that's called doubles. The reason why the name became doubles is because it's two pieces of barra. That's poor people food. Pilau. Pilau is a dish during carnival, which by the way, the reason why we have what's called juve in Trinidad Tobago, that's a celebration of the slaves. Because what happened was back then, the white people would come out and celebrate Carnival. Carnival is from the French uh, descendants there that came with the Europe side of things. And they started to do Carnival. That's where they will, you know, come in the streets um, and they will dress in different, you know, attire. And, you know, they'll have a line. It's like a parade, right? So the, the whole parade has different themes. Whatever the theme of the year is, the costume match that theme. So if the theme is Earth, all the costumes, and this happened, that part happened over time. But essentially, when it started Carnival, it mirrored the Carnival in Europe, right? Which was a, you know, a parade of the streets and mostly dominated by wealth and prestige and so on. And so how Juve came into play, because the slaves couldn't participate in Carnival, they would come out in the early mornings. And as a sign of protest, 
they would take oil and mud and they would put it all over their skins and they would march the streets and they would blow fire and all these different things. That's Juve. That's the slaves coming out when it's dark. That's when the people would come out when it's dark. Now, over time, when, you know, you know, we had the migration and the integration of society, more and more black and brown people became involved in carnival. And let me tell you something. It have certain sections of a carnival that have to be there in Trinidad Tobago. Let, let me tell you this. For all y'all who ever went to Brooklyn, to Florida, Miami, Florida, and watch carnival, if you don't see these sections, it's not the real fucking deal. You must have a sailor section. You must have a section dedicated to Africa. You must have a section dedicated to the indigenous people. You must see your people. We used to call them the Indians, right? That's how we would say it back home. We'd say, oh, the Indian and them, right? These are the different sections that have to fucking be there, right? And then you have the other creative section. I'm probably missing a couple, but you see those? That have to be there. If it's not there, that's not a real carnival. Because the carnival is the accumulation of the people on the streets, the West Indians on the streets, right? And so what the slaves did when we were liberated, we decided we're going to make this carnival about our story and we would depict it in the order. And that's the other thing with a carnival. Once we started to get involved and make the costumes and do the storytelling ourselves, even down to the lineup of the different sections is very intricately planned in accordance to history. Listen to what I just said. Because you'll always see the Indians, as we call it, meaning the indigenous people walk out first. They must walk out first. Think about what I just said. And then you will see the um, the Africans and them, right? Whatever that turned out to be, you know, the tribals, whatever. And then you will see the sailors. We you think that representing? Think about that for a second. That's our next bunch. The sailors and them, right? The whole thing is a replication of slavery is history walking down the streets now what would happen is because the slaves couldn't participate and because they didn't have access to certain staples like rice and other things like the fancy rice now let's make no mistake the slaves and them meaning you and me is who put the flavor into food right sorry white people you always just eating meat that you catch and and potatoes you all had a real fascination with that shit so what the slaves would do in Trinidad, they would take the scraps of food that was left over. So if you had some rice, now there's core ingredients to your pillow. You must have rice, brown sugar. You must have a pigeon pea. You could have other peas too. You could add to this, but you must have these three things, coconut milk, one, two, three, and pumpkin. Four, you know what I mean? You got to have all those things. And your, your other seasonings too. But the point of it was whatever you had left over in your fridge is what really, a good pillow is built on leftovers. A bad pillow is what you do, like what that alleged chef Jamie Oliver does do and, and use a bunch of fresh this and fuck that. Poor people food is literally leftovers. Trust me. That's what the fuck it is, right? So what the slaves did was they would take the scraps of rice, the scraps of chicken, the scraps of pumpkin, whatever they got from the respective wherever, whatever they had, and they would brown up the rice and add their meat and the, the peas and cook it up and that's the pillow. The coconut there... The milk will, will help keep the rice sticky. But that is a food of slaves. And the reason why they would have it on Chris, on carnival, so I'm going to say Christmas, on carnival because it felt like a Christmas, is because, you know, carnival is supposed to be the celebration of life. So that 
dish right there was the celebration of life. Like the bigger you pill out, the more you had in it, is the more you're celebrating life. So you see how the food tell the history? There's a lot to that, right? Now, in the Latinx countries, they make empanadas. We make arepas. We make beef pie. Our differences, whereas you all may bake or fry, you know, to different degrees, we do it too. We mightn't add certain ingredients in the middle like you all may, but you see what I'm trying to show you. You could see where we connected. And actually, if you want to go even deeper into the history that I'm talking about, Trinidad and Tobago was actually once connected to Venezuela. And oh, wow, Manny's favorite topic happened, climate change. And we broke off. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you look into our history, you will see all of that is right there. When I grew up, I was told that, you know, Columbus rediscovered Trinidad Tobago. We acknowledge our indigenous people. We acknowledge our Africans. Okay. You know, these are, you know, we have national holidays for these reasons. Like, this is no joke. In America, y'all just now getting used to that shit, right? And that's part of the fucking problem. Because the problem is with the white people here, y'all so, you got so used to having all the power. I come from a country, we already had a black plus size female president. We don't do that already. All they're late. All they're late. Come on now. Look at the Latinx countries. Look at all that they've done. Viva Che. Viva Fidel, get the fuck out of here, man, right? So you see, going back to where we started, Manny, right? And I want you to come back to what you just dropped in that chat. I want you to say what it is and explain that. But before I hand it over, this is why what happened in Alabama, that Alabama sweet tea party. All you lucky, all you lucky, we don't stay violent. You know, we could be violent, you know, that's not a problem. That's what you all did. What did I just say? Money wins wars. This is what you all like to do. You all like to do things with violence. You introduce yourself with violence and then you maintain the violence and the poverty and the oppression so you can maintain the control. And you see what happened in Alabama. What I love the most about that, right? Because as someone said to me earlier, the beautiful part about what happened in Alabama as compared to what we've seen as black and brown people over the years. Here the man, when that man threw that hat up in the air, that was like the fucking bat signal. And the rest of people... Just roll out like the Rough Riders and just start to fuck shit up. It didn't matter who know who and who didn't know who and all this other shit. Everybody getting slapped up. Everybody getting it. Everybody getting it. And at the end of the day, despite the fact that they were wrong, once again, we in America, you know, and come here, white people. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. White people. If y'all want to change what's going on, you have to give up your power, privilege, and place. Cut it the fuck out. Stop leading shit with your white saviorism shit. It did not help you in Alabama. Shout out to homegirl who see the little white lady who get through in the water and she come and she look at her and she say, you're good? Well, that's what it seemed like, right? She just look at her, you're good, you're all right, you're safe, all right, straight, good. You straight, you're not going drawn. Let me go continue fucking up this person over here. Because the truth is, right? We are the majority. We are not the minority. And honestly, if we were to get violent, a real war would break out in this country. But you see, here's what you all need to understand. That's why they maintain the poverty, right? Because you see, as we remain poor and oppressed and we can't get laid off from jobs and people keep stigmatizing us and gatekeeping and gaslighting us, we have no time to think about war. 
We ain't had time to do that. But again, shout out to my people in Alabama because I love how that went. That man, that man just threw the hat, you know? And everybody else just roll up. That's what we need to do. Roll up, right? Make these racists uncomfortable. Stop making them fucking comfortable because that's what y'all are doing. When you sit there and you let a white person use their gender identity as a crutch to be toxic, you are fucking part of the problem. When you sit there and you let these white chicks politicking like Sarah Palin come up and take up your space and decide they must be at every chair and table and make all the decisions, you are part of the problem. When the state sits there and they keep funding the same agencies that are white-led but have a long list of people who are black and brown that they mistreated get funding, you are part of the problem. When you do like what Hamden Police Department does and just give a bad police officer like Devin Eaton a tap on the hand, you are part of the fucking problem. I could go on. If you are a restaurant like Hamden Townhouse, they like to treat people like shit and then serve food and make money, you are part of the fucking problem. If you are like Lauren Garrett, who ran her ballot on the Black Lives Matter movement, right, and then turn her back on everybody when she get in office, you're part of the problem. If you're like her ex-husband or whatever the fuck he is, who ran and still runs an illegal room and house, right, and then showing up to people rally and smiling and grinning, you're part of the problem. If you're like Tom Goldenberg, who trying to sell everybody this bipartisan bullshit, right, you are part of the problem. And when you sit there and you try to minimize, intimidate, and otherwise the young people and hold them back, guess the fuck what? You are part of the problem. Now, Manny, say what you just read in that tap. That I can't even say it with the chat and break it on to people because that shit was part. Right, so you know we, we we talk about colorism, right? And and I just wanted to, again, you know, I, I'm a very anyone who knows me, I'm a very data driven, logic driven, research driven person, right? I mean, I don't I don't speak in conspiracies. I don't speak in hypotheses. You know, I don't speak in you know what ifs. No, 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 no. You know, I because. When I speak and when I deliver points, I want everyone to know that, you know, this is this wasn't just made up. It's not just on hearsay, right? Like what I'm saying is actual factual, you know, data and, and it's facts and either from history or research, whatever have you, but it's the truth, right? And so, you know, now that I brought up colorism, right? Uh, I wrote that, you know, one lesson taught by slavery and colonialism, right? Colonialism. We, a lot of people forget to take that into account and how much uh, colonialism and imperialism have played a part in a lot of things that are present today. One of those things being colorism. Um, so one lesson was a social discrimination and hierarchical structure between members of the same race, right? And this is based on skin color, which that's the phenomenon of colorism. So within this struggle, people of color, particularly those with darker skin complexions, are victims of a set of societal structures 
that support and enable colorism. Right? Skin color has a direct correlation to economic and political power. And these Eurocentric ideologies have deemed light skin as the ideal, quote-unquote ideal, identifier of beauty. Right? Light skin, also called, you know, for people who want to make it more polite, fair skin, right? Uh, is an asset and in, it, it, it cultivates a positive image and perception all over the world. So, right, this is what I was talking about, you know, with me and CJ. And we say, you know, that because we don't have the ideal skin complexion, <laughs> right, um, it makes so much of what we do and so much of what we have accomplished for some reason, it makes it significantly less important in society than if a person who was my age, right, uh, and had done the very same accomplishments in the very same time in the very same manner, but was Caucasian, right? Oh my God, that that I wouldn't be surprised if that same, you know, individual ended up being on CNN, <laughs> you know. And got invited up to the White House, right? I mean, you know, just because, oh my God, look at this, you know, Caucasian little kid, you know, 12 years old, all the way up to 18 years old, doing all these amazing things, or whatever. Um, look at him defining the youth of today, right? They'll make up some type of narrative here to put him on a pedestal and, you know, and then he'd be like, this big symbolic representation of the youth of today, like I could just imagine it, right? Um, but me, you know, a Hispanic kid from the inner city, uh, who you know isn't fair skinned, right? Um, having accomplished what I accomplished, and and now again, I don't want I, I want to clarify this is something I want to clarify, and I've always made it clear throughout the six, seven years I've been doing this. I don't do what I do for recognition. I've never done it for that, right? I, I always said, even before I started, right? I said that I've, I will do everything I possibly could and I would be 100% satisfied all the same if I never received an ounce of recognition. Like if I was just one of those background faces you know, behind the scenes, I did what I did. No one shut up. No one even knew what I was doing, right? Or no one knew that it was me doing, you know, what was happening. Like I still find 100% of the same satisfaction, right? Because I don't do it for recognition. So I want to clarify, you know, that when I'm talking about how, you know, a lighter individual who done the same thing would get recognition, but not me, it's not me saying, you know, that... Uh, me being deprived of recognition is something that I'm focusing on. So, right, right. It's not about being seen. So, um, but, but you know, back to this, this, this concept of colorism, right? Um, here I am, you know, I've accomplished all these things. I'm this Hispanic male, you know, who, um, uh, I think I'm a shade lighter than CJ. <laughs> I mean, we probably got to put our hands together. We got to put our hands together. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a shade lighter than CJ. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've both accomplished so many things. You know, we've both got in our fair share of, of good trouble. And, um, you know, but 
on the flip side, if someone who, again, was, was lighter complexion than me and CJ uh, did the same things we did, geez, I mean, I could just imagine where they have gone by now, you know, and, and the opportunities that would be available to them and the, the hassles that they would, you know, avoid, right? Because, um, I mean, again, I'm not going to speak for CJ, but I speak for myself. Geez, the amount of hassles I've had to go through you know, just to accomplish some of the things, you know, that I wanted to do for my community, right? Not, not for myself, for my community. These are things I wanted, you know, initiatives, programs, all these things that I wanted to get out for my uh, community. But the hoops that I had to jump through, you know, the... Listen, <laughs> the, listen, right? <laughs> look, pull up, y'all. I, I want to jump in and back up this young man. Thank you, Manny, for jumping on that. Because people don't see that side. I have a very English name, right? So the sad part is people see my name, my full government, and they assume I'm going to be a little white girl with a ponytail. So when they see me, it's like, oh, shit. Right? So there's that. In the movement, people assume just because we identify as, we get the support and empowerment that we should be getting. We really don't. I have been labeled as emotional, all kinds of different adjectives that if I were to, you know, say for myself, I don't agree with, I'll tell you I'm, I'm transparent. And I would like to think in a world built on lies, bullshit, and other levels of toxicity, it's nice to have transparency. Let's talk this shit out. Let everybody be real, be honest with your emotions. Let's put it on the table and let's take it apart from there. And I cannot tell you how many times that has caused me to have been removed from the table because now I'm challenging too much. Now I'm a problem. As a good white ally, friend of mine, comrade person said, I, I'm not a problem until I become successful. Okay. And that is the curse, right? Just as he just said, I want to emphasize that y'all think just because, you know, I identify as black, he identifies Latinx that we walk into rooms and people say, wow, CJ, that's a great idea. I'll support you. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. As a black woman, as a black immigrant woman, let me tell you something. Is that every day struggling? You know? Not even just among the white people and dealing with that horse shit, but then amongst my own and validating my view and getting support within that, like he was saying, y'all don't y'all don't see that, right? And this is why, again, what happened in Alabama there? When my boy threw that hat, and people was like, "What? They did what to who?" And they rolled the fuck up and handled that business. And that's what we need to do. Let me tell y'all some, right? Everybody, come here for a second, right, Manny? You stay there. We need to protect Manny, and all the manis, right? We need to understand, and I'm saying this loud from a black and brown people, man. If you didn't listen to anything I say before, pay attention. If you was contributing to the toxicity before, you can still fix it. You can still fix it, right? But protect them because the war is real. It is very real. We cannot unzip and show up as anybody but ourselves. And he should not have to change who he is to gain support and protection and empowerment and upliftment. That should not be how this goes, right? 
he should not have to worry about not saying the white things in the white spaces and getting the white support. Can we stop that, please? We need the white people. So let me talk to the white people now. White people, here's what we need you to do. Give up that power, place, and privilege. If you're really and fucking truly about us changing this and being equal, equal means that I don't have to validate my stance. Equal means that instead of you receiving my words as me being emotional and, oh, she's always so angry and she never has anything good to say and everything else, maybe you should listen and realize that within challenge is an opportunity to change, okay? And realize that perhaps what I'm really doing is challenging your thought processes to the point that I'm challenging you on a personal level so you could challenge the people amongst you and also face yourself. Because you see here in the North, as we said in the beginning, and we've said repeatedly, and he's saying all along, this racism here is so normal. And as Ebony pointed out on Monday's podcast, the cunt resistance, yes, it was called the cunt resistance. Yes, it was about abortion rights. Yes, it was about black feminism. We doing all of that. All right. We come with folding tables and chairs, and everything, everything, we ready, you hear me, it comes down to this, we need the white people to look at each other, and say, all right, we, we need to cut this out, we need more black and brown leaders in our nonprofit sectors, we need more black and brown leaders as lawmakers, all right, we need to lay back on certain things, and realize this policing culture, and this nature of being capitalists, right, is very prevalent in the north, in a very subliminal way. As Ebony pointed out, now she's from Tennessee, right? And again, if, if you have a chance, go back and listen to it. It's called The Country Resistance. Her beautiful picture's up there. She's a great comrade, a queen in the struggle. And she's out here telling her story so people understand that, you know, a woman's right to an abortion is a personal decision. Take your hands off my body. Get off my uterus. Save some lives. The NRA kills more children than an abortion does. Let me say that again for the people in the back. The NRA kills more children than abortions. Ebony, who hails from Tennessee, shared her story of, you know, having an abortion and what that was like in that state. And it's scary. It's very, very fucking scary. Because as Manny said before, in the South, one thing we got to give them a shout for, and this is what people don't realize with that Alabama sweet tea party, that racism out there is very clearly defined. You, you, know where, you know where the racists live. You know who they hang out with for the most part. You know where not to go. You know, it's all very stigmatized and identified. Whereas in the North, it's part of the culture now. It's part of the culture to be racist. I mean, we have racist leading organizations that and, and supporting and making decisions for organizations that are supposed to be benefiting black and brown communities, but really and truly in their brain only to a certain extent, the biases. We have people in these positions who don't wanna have that DEI conversation, who don't wanna talk about you know, how they treat their employees. I mean, let me tell you something. Y'all don't want me as the governor in this state. I, I'll do some fucked up shit. First of all, I'll fuck around and make Connecticut as a state a sanctuary. Then I'll look at your policing budget 
right? I'll, I'm telling you, I'll do some fuck shit. I'll look at your policing budget and wonder why the fuck we paying all these motherfuckers to oppress the community. Then I'll, I'll look at your housing budget and your housing situation. Let's figure out how we could change some things. Let's really address some shit. Instead of saying that some people live off of Section 8, let's really address why they're not able to move. And let's figure out what those barriers are and deal with that right? I'll be on my fuck shit. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be on my fuck shit. I'll make sure our narrative removes words like minority. We don't need that word. That's some bullshit. But I'll definitely demand more presence in representation, black and brown representation, right? Just because, you know, you're fascinated by somebody's study doesn't make them the subject matter expert on the poverty and barriers to poverty in an area. All right? Just because someone is a well-to-do white social worker does not mean they should be leading an agency that governs funds and programs and finances that impact the lives of so many black and brown people. Lived experience is a real thing. That's a real, 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 real thing. You cannot replace that. Now, that does not mean that education is not important. Let's not underscore that, right? Because we must continue to educate ourselves. If you have the philosophy that you know everything, I hate to tell you, you don't. Number one. Number two, you should never have that philosophy that you know everything or that your knowledge of racism is finite because that's when you become ignorant, whether you want to accept that for yourself or not, right? So do everybody a favor and, you know, instead of seeing me as a threat and Manny as a potential threat or being afraid of what comes out of Manny's mouth, pay attention to what we're saying and stop taking it personal and start to do that reflective work. Because let me tell you something, when Manny and I go out on the street, nobody gives a flying fuck about our feelings. When we get pulled over by a police officer, they don't care about us being single parents and, and, and what happened at work and who stressed me out. If I was a black legislator, I cannot go driving drunk and expect to still have my job. I mean, let's be real. Shout out to our boy Quentin who died, you know, and they still try to find a way to criminalize him, even though he was the one hit and killed. They still tried it because that's what they do. Even in our death, shout out to Aaliyah, dearly departed young princess who died in such a tragic way. But to this day, she's recognized less for her talent and more for R. Kelly. How fucked is that? How fucked is that? But let's bring it back home. January 6th, we didn't waste time criminalizing the black people who were there. But we spent a lot of time deciding if we were Republican or not, didn't we? We have some Republicans who say, no, I'm not that type of Republican. Like I said in the beginning, these folks out here in Alabama, those white boys had already stolen and had a reputation prior to that incident. So they were actually the ones provoking the bullshit. Okay. And quite frankly, shout out to our people in Alabama. Someone said to me out there in Alabama, they're doing fundraising to bail everybody out of jail. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. Notice this is in the South. This is what I'm saying to y'all. We need to do better in the North. In the South, these people not questioning shit. It's one for all. It don't matter if, if you're broke. It don't matter if you're single, if you're selling rocks. It, don't, it didn't matter. You was out there in solidarity right? It didn't matter if you're recovering from something, if you're a street worker, no judgment. 
Now, don't try to come for me for saying that either. Fuck you all. Get the point that I'm trying to make and behave yourself, right? The point is, is that those people in Alabama and the surrounding areas are in full-fledged fucking solidarity. And yet, a few weeks ago, within the last month, our friend here, Manny, said it. He doesn't know what he'll expect when he runs for office. That is fucking disappointing. We could do better, Connecticut. We could do better. We could do way better. Manny, what do you think? Can we do better? We can do a lot better. <laughs> we definitely can. I, I agree with you. So before we close out, Manny, any final thoughts? Yeah, um, you're right. You know, um, I, I sit here and, you know, I only, I can only fathom, you know, what difficulties lie ahead of me. Um, being the person that I am, my personality, but my appearance, right? My appearance. Um, and that being a big deciding factor for so many people on whether or not they will back me on whether or not they will believe in my capacity to fulfill certain positions or certain promises and goals. Um, and I can only fathom what else, you know, what, what else will come before me. Uh, it's, I only think about it because I know that, again, if, if I were a Caucasian young male, and had done the things that I'd done, then the day I announced that I run, you know, that I'm running for office, you know, it would be met with so much support. It would be met with people lining up, asking how they can help me reach, you know, uh, the office and, and, and do the things that I want to do. But that won't be the case, right? Um, and I'll have support, yeah, but not to the degree I would have if I were a Caucasian male. Uh, and that's what's sad. That's what's sad. But that that is why I do what I do. And that's why I will do, you know, what I will do going forward. Um, so closing thoughts, you know, um, to all of the uh, people who are listening, um, I only ask of you that you continue to educate yourselves, to educate others, you know, on these concepts of colorism, on these concepts of, um, you know, black and brown people, uh, just because we are of quote unquote minority, you know, uh, demographics, we aren't offered all the opportunities that we should be, you know, uh, or all the opportunities that. Um, people say are offered to, you know, again, minority uh, people. Um, me and CJ, we can attest to that personally. So, you know, educate yourselves, educate others. Um, do the work that is necessary to not only develop yourself, but develop others around you, but to help the fight, contribute to the fight, contribute to the movements. Um, and most importantly, above all, I only ask that you continue fighting for the future generations, for the generations who uh, are not yet here on this planet. Um, let us try to make their world that they will inherit a much better one than the one we are living in today.
that's amazing manny thank you so much you know manny this is why i look forward to you joining me on here you know he's such a pleasure and such a breath of fresh air and let me tell you all something this is why we gotta protect him and all of our black and brown youth and children man right this 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 young man is taking one hell of a risk you know he could be doing a whole you know no no offense to those who do sports and you know other things not just sports but you know might be into like you know chess or you know i don't know food or whatever for him at this age to take on this feat of social justice is no joke it tells me that he's vested and not he's not selfish he's selfless i could attest to that so can we really get together i don't give a fuck if you don't like me it's past that point right but could we make sure that we do our best to give manny the opportunity he more than deserves and not just him but all like him and and again to the white people listening don't scowl listen and learn listen and learn and make it better right because we want people like manny in office we want to see the day when there's no box to check off for race anymore we don't have to do all this ethnicity study shit because everybody's at the same it's equitable right i don't have to walk down the street being judged by how i look i don't have to worry about you know not being a certain size manny doesn't have to worry about being a certain shade saying no to the white toxicity i don't give a fuck where it is it could be on the streets it could be at the courthouse it could be at the deli it could be at the corner store it could be at the bus stop dunkin donuts the gas station, BJ's, Costco, I don't give a fuck where it's at. On the job, off the job, in your house, in the movement, saying no to white toxicity. You just heard from us a lot about why this is impactful, and we're not going to stop talking about this. So if you want to learn and you're invested in that, please stay tuned. We also just launched a new series called What Should White People Do? where, you know, we'll have a series of white comrades come on and share their experiences and even admit to what they're still learning and are yet to know and are curious about. It's a safe space. Because guess what? If we don't challenge it, how could we change it? We're not always going to agree. Let's be real here, right? Because if we did, slavery will still be happening. I mean, it still is, but not to that degree. It's just a different way. So I hope that this was helpful. Thank you once again to all of those who tune in, like, share, subscribe. Your solidarity is greatly, greatly appreciated. That's all for now. Fist up, smile on.